so yeah, I'm just so happy to be here. It was so it was so good worshiping with you guys. Um, didn't aren't Sarah and Bo so anointed? Yeah, who's blessed by them? Yeah, so when you, you know, like when when uh, leaders or whatever they do things, they do things for God, but like there's some things that I feel like we need to expressively show. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't hurt to go up to them and be like, "Hey, I'm so blessed by your worship." And be like, "Hey, you're so anointed." Hey, what, when you play that piano, set me free, right? Things like that. Just go expressively show them. I, I'm pretty sure, like you're gonna get blessed as well. Amen. All right. So, uh, the last time, no, no, no. I remember the first time I ever like was involved in Emmaus was about three, four years ago, and it was at a retreat uh, called 180 Retreat. Who was there? Raise your hand if you were there. <laughs> I remember Eugene. Eugene was there. He wasn't even on staff. Like. You know, like I, I was just volunteering, and I remember going to that retreat, and actually forgot I was going to a retreat that night. And I was like, "Oh, snap. I was supposed to be praying, and like all these things." But that retreat, I, I know I went to serve, but I got set free, like I got transformed, and even now I still remember that retreat. Um, and when I think about and pray about Emmaus, it always takes me back to the testimonies that happened at 180 retreat. Uh, one of my favorite parts about that retreat was when the leaders would come together after, and then we would share stories of how God has been working in each different small group, right? So I remember two stories that really stood out to me was there's this one dude from Malaysia, and I remember he was new at that time, right? And he came into the retreat like whatever, like I don't care. And like they like seriously, moment by moment, like each sermon date, like you just could tell the visible growth in in that retreat. It was only like not even two days, but it was by the end of the retreat, it was so different. Uh, that's how powerfully God came. And I remember the last night of this retreat. Um, you know, like, we're just sitting there praising, and it's this powerful, like, altar ministry call time. And the only thing we see out of this dude is he's up in the front, like, like, dude, like, head banging, like, and everyone's like, what's going on? He looks a little, what's going on, right? And later we find out that he had this vision of he's just standing there in worship. He literally saw this hand come out of the ceiling, pick him up by the head. And that's why he was manifesting like this, you know, because he was being pulled by the head. And that guy now is so radically transformed. Some of you guys might know him named Jensen, right? That was, that's just a testimony from that retreat. Um, I remember another student that was in my small group was not even Christian when she came. And by the end of that retreat, she was Christian. And now she's a student leader at KU, Doreen, right? It's just all of these crazy testimonies that I remember from 180. And when I went to Busan, I, one of my biggest, like, like, thing I was sad about was the fact that I couldn't help out with Emmaus. And I, I, it made me so jealous hearing stories from Emmaus retreat because I couldn't be there and get involved. You know what I mean? But when I think about Emmaus, it's, it's this thing about encounter. 
And so many students come through this ministry, and they only stay here like three, four months. And when they go back, they're on fire. They go home. They set their place, their home church on fire. Their friends are ignited, right? Like, how is this possible for something so radical to happen in just a couple months? And when I thought about that, I was like, dang, it is how God encounters his people. And it is how God loves to see his young ones, especially face to face. So today, what I want to talk about is encounter, the encounter of God. Um, I want everyone to turn to 2 Corinthians 3. So turn to 2 Corinthians 3. We're going to look at verse 16 to 18. Okay, it's only three verses, so let's read it together. Is everyone there? If you don't have a Bible, just share with a friend, look over, and let's read it all loud together. Everyone's there, right? Ready? One, two, three. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I'm going to read verse 18 one more time and just listen. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Let's bow our heads in prayer. God, I thank you that you say that whenever we come to you, it is so easy to enter into your presence. And we thank you that that is your heart. Because you love us first, we're able to love others. So, Lord, we ask for just a tangible presence of your spirit tonight. And we thank you that every time we come and see you, we can expect something good. And we can walk away, not just full, but overflowing. So, Lord, we just come before you, hungry for you, crying out for your name, ready to listen to the word that you are here tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 So, the word encounter, that word, I looked it up in Webster, uh, and I picked the one that I liked, (laughs) is it means to come upon face to face, right? So, when you are encountering somebody... It's not like you're talking to them over there, talking to them on the phone, talking to them through email, but you are talking to them face to face, right? So you're mad close, and you have this proximity. There is no distance. You don't have to imagine or think about uh, what that person is thinking because that person is so close, face to face encounter. And when I look at the Bible and think about someone that really talked to God face to face, met with him every day, and not just wondered, oh God, are you there? Or like, I saw him in a vision. He spoke to me in a dream, right? But this guy, he really met to him face to face is this guy named Moses. Moses, God says, to other people, I, I, I talk to them in dreams or visions or parables or, or prophecy, whatever. But Moses, I talk to him as a friend. I talk to him face to face. 
And in Exodus 34, we have Moses who is coming down from Mount Sinai, right? So let me give you some, some context. Um, Moses is a leader of the Israelites, right? And they, God actually gave them the Ten Commandments, but then the Israelites were in sin, so Moses got angry, smashed the Ten Commandments, and now he has to get new ones, okay? So this is the second time on Mount Sinai, and this time uh, he's getting the second set of the Ten Commandments. And in this, uh, as he's waiting for God to speak to him again and tell him the Ten Commandments again, uh, Moses stays up in this mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. Which is awesome, but he doesn't eat, right? How many of you guys like that? It's very hard for me. And he just, he doesn't eat because he's just so, like, full by the presence of God. For 40 days and 40 nights, he's up in this mountain talking to God face to face. And they say that by the time he comes down from the mountain, his face is shining. His face is shining to the point that people are afraid to look at him. They say, whoa, your face is so bright. <laughs> you cover that, right? In fact, the people were so afraid to talk to him that when Moses came out of God's presence, he had to cover his face with a veil. So, like, like you would talk to, like, if I'm talking to Michelle, I would have something over my face because my face is so bright. She can't handle my glory. You know what I mean? But when, when Moses goes back into the tent of meeting, he uncovers the veil and talks to God face to face. That's how bright and radiant his face was because he was in that depth of glory. And I really feel like tonight for SNU, God wants to take you from a place of meeting with him, like at a set time, you know, like, all right, I do my QTs, all right, I meet him, and then I, and then I go to school, and then I meet my friends, and then I sleep, all right, meet with him in the morning. God wants to take you from just doing quiet time to a constant fellowship with God, to a lifestyle of encounter. So if you're taking notes, I want you, the title of the sermon is A Lifestyle of Encounter. God wants to encounter you in this way. And it's, and it's not just for the 180 retreat that I was talking about. In fact, there's church-wide retreat that's coming up for New Philly. I actually encourage you guys to come because it will be that type of glory that will fall, right? So if you guys are hungry for that, come out. Because it will happen. And there's one of the, uh, the speakers that are coming there. He, his name is Pastor Robert Daniels. And he is that type of person that talks to God every moment. You know, he doesn't just wake up and say, all right, quiet time. Or like, let me go eat breakfast now, I'm done, right? But in fact, his daily life, every moment, is just fellowshipping with God. And I remember I would hear stories about him. There was this one time when he dropped off his uh, daughter at school. And he was like, all right, bye, have a good day at school, right? And the daughter leaves. And then he's just, all right, let me just pray for a moment before I go home. And then he's praying, and then he's just in that depth and, and intimacy with the Lord. And all of a sudden, he hears a da 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 And then it's his daughter again. His daughter's, what, what are you doing here? Did you leave something? And his daughter's like, what? I'm done with school. 
basically from that morning until she was done with school, he was just lost in the glory of God. There's another story where he is just so loving that fellowship, that intimacy. And then finally his wife one day says, can you eat something, honey? He, he's like, what? What are you talking about? He was like, you haven't eaten for seven days. Because he's like, what? I didn't even notice I was hungry because I was so full from God. <laughs> this man is a man that has daily encounters with God. He is a man that knows how to have a lifestyle of encounter. And I really believe that God wants to take SNU to this type of encounter, to this type of intimacy. And I want to give you three keys that you guys can have this daily encounter. Um, and I really believe that if you enter his presence with these three keys in mind, it will open you up to a whole new level. Okay? So um, our verse that we read, the verse I really want to concentrate on, 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, And we all with unveiled face. Unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. And when we come into God's presence, He wants us to come to Him unveiled. He wants us to come to Him showing Him everything. Vulnerable, intimate, laying down our burdens. He wants to know. He wants to hear you. Um, and I really believe that the key to coming into his presence and having that daily encounter is having expectation. So when, um, you know, I want to I share with you my story. And poor Michelle, she's already heard my story like three times this year. But uh, this, I remember... This was the first time I actually entered God's presence really expecting something. Not even expecting, but really demanding something. And I actually told God, hey, I am not going to leave until you reveal yourself from me. Until you show me yourself. Because I can't take this anymore. Right? So let me backtrack. Um, I actually grew up in a Christian home. And I'm, I'm the oldest out of my three the three children, right? So who's the, anyone old, oldest in here? Yeah? Okay, so maybe you guys are a little bit like me. Like, I was very, like, the proper child. Like, like the grades, I, I did really well. I never did anything bad. Um, I looked at my brother and my sister, made sure they were in check. You know, like, I never saw anything, like, like gray or whatever. I, I saw everything as black and white. So because of that, I, like, I never strayed into the black. <laughs> and I remember, um, like, when I entered college, the first year of college, right? You know, like, you want to try out something new. So I remember my first month in college, I was like, oh, I want to drink. Like, I want to try something. I've never done anything bad. I've never broken any law or whatever, right? So my first month, I went out and I partied and I drank, like, two shots, you know. And then that was my first time drinking. Uh, so I remember 
I was on my way home, and I was very like it affected me very quickly because that was my first time. And a po- police woman stopped me, and she was like, "Have you been drinking?" I was like, "No." <laughs> Obviously, lie. And she made me take the breathalyzer and gave me. I basically got caught for underage drinking. Yeah, I know. So embarrassing.、Um, I had to go to court. I had to go to alcohol anonymous class. <laughs> like I am not an alcoholic. Like you think that's a joke? No, but really, I, I had to go to AA, and for ten weeks, and、um, that scared me from ever breaking the law. Like man, I broke the law one time, and I get caught for it. I'm never doing it again, right? So I went from like going a little bit like this to, oh my God, I go fully to you. So for four years, I just went straight into my Christian fellowship, and I served, and like I really think that was grace of God, because knowing my personality, I would have gone like crazy, you know. But、um, I just got really involved, and then like after a while, after my fourth year of like being a leader and stuff, I got very burnt out, very tired,、um, and I remember entering into my last semester of college and saying. I am done with this. Like I, I don't. People are. People. I don't understand Christians. They like come out, but they're sleeping around. They're doing other things. Like I'm so burnt out. I'm so jaded. If this is what Christianity is, then I'm done. I've tried my whole life to obey you, the black and white, the rules, all of these things. I don't understand. I'm so exhausted. And I remember just that that semester, I I shut the door on God, and I just did whatever I wanted. And that semester, I made up for all the years I did not drink. So I drank hardcore. Like it was it was crazy, right? And、um, I just felt it was very fun in the beginning. But it got very old, and I remember like feeling very depressed after a while,、um, and I wanted to come back to God, but I couldn't because I felt so guilty for shutting the door on His face. And 2010, from the first day, my whole life changed because my friend dragged me out to this conference, made me go, and that kind of opened my heart to God a little bit. And then that kind of like, she, and then she dragged me to another revival conference where someone prayed over me, and this person said,、um, "You are in a desert place, and if like you get out, you have every spiritual blessing under heaven. But if you don't get out, you're gonna be stuck here forever." <laughs> and then left. I was like, "What? <laughs> What kind of prayer was that?" So ang- angry, right? So I went home, and then I just, I just could not sleep. Like, how can you leave me on that note, right?、It's、so morbid. And like the next day, I like, I opened my Bible. And I just sat on my floor. I just kneeled down. I was so exhausted. Like God, I told you I want to get out of this desert place, but this person tells me I'll never get out. Like what? You know? And I remember saying, I've never heard your voice, God. I just heard about you. I've obeyed all your rules, but I need to know that you are real to me, to me in my life. And I am not going to leave until you answer me. And if you don't answer me, I'm just going to take it that you're not real. You know. So I don't suggest that you do that because that's actually testing God. But God is very gracious because I remember like sitting there.、Um, And just really, I felt so desperate to 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 
uh, know him and get out that my body was literally trembling before the word. And I've never had that before. Like, even now, <laughs> never had that before. And as I'm reading his word, I'm just so, like, so desperate for his presence. And I'm crying out, and then I can't explain it, but all of a sudden, I wasn't in my room anymore. I looked down, and next thing I know, I'm very dirty. And I was like, what? What happened? Why is this, like, mud all over my face? And, and then all of a sudden, I see this white light, and I knew immediately it was Jesus. And he comes over to me, takes off his white robe, puts it on me, and as soon as he puts it on me, I become instantly clean. And then he takes my hand, pulls me up to my feet, and then we start walking together. The next thing I know, I wake up, and I'm back in my room again. And I was like, huh? What happened? And I could not control my body because I just felt so overwhelmed by his presence. And that encounter changed my life. And I really believe that when you enter into God's presence, expecting, unveiling your face, saying, hey, I can't take this anymore. Hey, I need you. Or, hey, God, I just want to hear what you have to say to me. God will meet you. And God will answer you according to your expectation, according to your hunger. Okay, so the first point was to expect. The second point is... Set your eyes on God. Verse 18 says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. When you behold the glory of the Lord, you are not looking to whatever is happening around you. You're not beholding your circumstance. You're not beholding your grades. You're not beholding your, your friends, you're not beholding the problems in your life, but rather you are beholding the Lord. In Psalm 16, it says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. And I really believe that, you know, when, when you set the Lord before you, when you set the Lord at your right hand, right hand symbolizes somewhere that is very close somewhere that is really really within distance, not far off, not behind you, not second place, but you have set the Lord before you. And as you do that, God will answer you. You know, I have a, a very wise friend, and he said that when you have a problem, right, right here, and then you walk away from it, God, I'm done. I'm done. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to walk away. But you're still looking at that problem. And you're still looking. And then eventually, because your eyes are still beholding that problem, your body is going to turn right back. And then you're going to start coming back. Why? Because your eyes are beholding something that does not belong to the Lord. But if you set the Lord before you, he will always answer you. And he will always come to meet you. The third point. Very simple, but this is like the hardest thing to do, is trust. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. And really, if you meditate on this verse, there's a promise that God gives us. 
God says that we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. When you do that, when you behold his glory, when you don't look to the right or to the left, but you look straight before you, it says you will be transformed. And you won't stay in that place, but you will keep going from glory to glory to glory. That is the promise that God gives you. And we can only unlock that promise if we trust. And that is, I think, one of the hardest things that someone can do. Trust. If you guys are anything like me, I become very frustrated when I don't see things happening, right? Um, I'm very, like, goal-oriented. So when I work towards something, I, want, I, I expect, like, other things to happen. And I expect to see fruit. If I do this, then this is going to happen, right? I expect to see that. But when it does not happen, I'm like, what is going on? God, you're not moving, you know? Like, I just get so frustrated. And it's very tempting to believe that God is not with me. And it's very tempting to believe that God does not care. God is not moving. Nothing's happening. But God says, trust me, because you are being transformed. Um, I remember uh, Rona, you know, briefly talks about how I went to Pusan. And going to Pusan was one of the best things I've ever done, but also one of the hardest things I've ever done. And I remember the first six months of Pusan was the hardest because, like, like I, I wasn't seeing anything, right? It was just so hard. I remember I would faithfully, like, when you're on a church plant, you have to pray. <laughs> you just have to, right? You have to pray. You have to fast. I've never fasted so much in my life. Like, it, it was just intense like spiritual things and not because i wanted to but because us as as a team we were doing it all together and it was like the most highest spiritual discipline i've ever had in my life yet the most like nothing that i would see in my life and it just didn't make sense to me because if i'm inputting this much this many hours of prayer shouldn't i get this much fruit <laughs> right but it it wasn't matching up and <clears throat> One of the prophetic words that I received before I went down was, Anna, you are going to experience um, a time when you feel like God is not with you or God is not doing anything, but that time is actually going to be your time of immense growth. You're not going to realize it when you go through it, but when you look back, and you're just going to be like, dang, that's the time I grew the most. And I, I would just take that word in faith. I'm like, okay, I believe it, I believe it, I believe it. And now, looking back, I look at that time period when I, I entered his presence day after day. God, meet me. Where are you? I have no, like, nothing to do here but pray in Busan. But you're still not meeting me. What's going on? And I would just come before him just all right, I leave like, I believe you were there, God, because I could not feel him. But looking back, that was when I grew the most. That was when I was stretched the most. That was when I exponentially grew. And that's when the things that I heard about all my life, faith, 
God will provide for you. God loves you. You know the things that Christian terms that you hear all your life. That's when I experienced it for the first time, and that's when I, because I had to live through it and walk through those those Christian truths that I only knew about in my head. I experienced it, and now whenever other people come to me, like, oh, I can't do this. Like, I lost my job. I don't. I'm worried about finances. Hey, no. God provided for me, and I know what I had to walk through. I know. He's going to do for you. I have 100% faith. Why? Because I had to walk through that. And it's during those times when I thought, God was not there. Why is he not here? But actually, he was the closest he's ever been with me. Um, this like this analogy like boggles me every time, but it's the, it's the analogy of the Chinese bamboo. Have you guys heard about this? The Chinese bamboo is a plant that when you uh, plant it, for one year, nothing happens. In fact, there's like it doesn't even pop out of the soil. Like you just see dirt. So you just you know you can't kill the plant, right? So you just water it. Sun, here you go. You know, like day after day, year one finished. Year two, same thing. It's like all right, can't kill it. Just keep watering. It it's like that for year one, year two, year three, year four. I would give up after a week. <laughs> but for four years, you have to faithfully, every single day, water the plant, make sure it gets sun. And then in the fifth year, you see like a little something, like a bleh, here's a leaf, right? You're like, but then by this point, it's like five years of waiting, like, yes, a leaf. So you keep watering it. And then they say like, literally, like you go to sleep, and then the next day you wake up, it grew by two feet. Like, it's after all these years of nothing happening, like, boom, you know? And then within six, uh, six weeks, it grows, six weeks or six months, it grows into 80 feet. So you can visibly see the growth. Like, you come back and then, whoa, whoa, what happened, right? So did the bamboo tree grow in six weeks? No, it grew in five years. But you can only see the effect of that in the fifth year. If you are faithful to sow. If you are faithful to persevere. I remember uh, one of the most, like, I don't know if you guys know this word, yagolin. It means like, I felt like God was doing na 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 boo boo to me. Uh, was Second Corinthians 4, 17 through 18. Let me read this for you. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory uh, weight of glory was beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen for the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are eternal and i remember i read this verse and i got so offended because i felt like i was going through purgatory <laughs> My soul was going through a lot of hardships, right? But then I read this verse in the Word of God, and it says, Light momentary affliction. I was so offended. What are you talking about? It's light, God. You go through it, you know? Like I, I was so offended. But God is saying, hey, what you're going through right now is so light compared to the eternal weight of glory I'm waiting to show you. If I gave up along my path 
of being in Busan, I would have never been called to full-time ministry. I would have never, I would not even be standing here right now. But because God gave me the grace to persevere, to keep going, to don't give up. Hey, faithfully come day after day. Look what happens. I will come and release glory to you. And I feel like some of you guys on here are, might be like me, exhausted. Hey, I come here week after week on Tuesdays. How come the seats aren't all filled up yet? Hey, we pray week after week. We pray every Sunday. We pray on our own time. Why is God not showing up at SNU? How come this is not happening in my family? How come I'm not seeing this breakthrough? But God wants to encourage you and say, keep going. The place that you think is the hardest right now, he's the closest with you. And the place that you think God is the furthest, his presence is interwoven in your life. God wants to take you into a lifestyle of encounter, living with him daily, moment by moment. I want us to pray.